1: Mission Log Supplemental Number 28, another one with your
2: questions. Welcome into a supplemental edition of Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. I'm Ken Ray.
1: And I'm John Champion. And Ken, it's time to do another one of those shows where uh, all the stuff that didn't fit before fits into this.
2: All of it, really? All of it. Because it's been like 11 months, I believe, since we did a supplemental. Well, we, now,
1: we, we did a little chat about uh, the 2017 series. Just oh, that's right. Little, we did. Yeah, just a little chat about that. And then the emails and the tweets and the messages start coming and saying, hey, uh, do you guys still do supplemental shows?
2: Yeah. <laughs> and the answer, obviously, is no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it was funny, though. I, I did get an email from somebody who said, um, or maybe it was on our, uh, on our website, Mm -hmm. Somebody said, um, so in every episode of Mission Log, when you say we may use your comment on an upcoming episode, is that just legal that you have to say
2: that? Um, I I say implied in that is we may also not. Right, right. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But I I think we've kind of gotten it down to a pattern, though, where uh, if an interesting tweet, something short. That Mm -hmm. maybe fits in with what we're discussing on the regular mission log. Maybe we can kind of squeeze something in there. But this type of show where there is really no rule on how we do it, this is where we can dive a little deeper and handle some more maybe complex questions. Um, yeah. So yeah, we, so we handpicked some uh, comments, some emails, and we will get into those in a little bit. Um, <laughs> definitely a very small sample of the, the comments and questions that we get, which we do read them all. Um, we may not yes. be able to get back to all of them. Um, by the way, if you are planning to write into the show or call into the show at a later date, um, please try to keep it short. Um, we get great voicemail questions from people, uh, but if they're like seven or eight minutes long, we really mm-hmm. can't answer them. So try to keep them to a minute, maybe a minute and a half at the most, and, uh, and we'll be more likely to get back to you on a show like this. But Ken, before we get into that, um, mm-hmm. it, it's been kind of a newsworthy couple of months when it comes to Star Trek.
2: Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, partly because of the 50th and partly just because life happens or um, – and not to be a flip about it, but end of life happens. you want to start with the, the saddest part of the whole thing or do you want to go to something goofy?
1: Yeah, no, I think we have to talk about this and um, it, just to acknowledge it because – Honestly, I, I really don't know what to do when bad news like this comes in. But Anton Yelchin, who of course made a name for himself playing Chekhov in the Star Trek reboot movie starting in 2009, passed away in a horrific accident. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, there, there's really not much to say about it. There are a lot of uh, online tributes, and, and all you can do is just sort of sit there and look at it and go, Wow, this is horrible! I can't possibly contribute to this in any meaningful way, other than sit here and read my newsfeed and and see how terrible
2: this is and share in the uh, the the concern and the, the dismay that other people have about it. There's an interesting, and I'm not I'm not faulting anybody for it. It's just kind of interesting. There's kind of um, there was a thing they used to say on Sports Night, uh, the Aaron uh, Sorkin show. Um, Nobody beats up my kid brother but me. Mm-hmm. There are lots of people who, who hate the J.J. verse. There are lots of people who hate J.J. Trek. There are lots of people who hate the reboots. But then when Anton Yelchin died, there was sort of like an ad- – there was an adoption of, yeah. You know, oh, come on. He's part of Trek. Yeah. Which is interesting because people who maybe hated Trek the day before, I will say he owned that character in a way that uh, – look, all the actors are fine. All the actors good. Think what you want to about the movies. Carl uh, Urban and Anton Yelchin are actually the two that really show up most for me because they were so in in the character that they were in. Mm. I mean Chris Pine, yes, he's playing Kirk, but he's really playing dashing leading man, sure. right? Sure. As uh, Zachary Quinto is doing is doing a Spock thing, but he's doing a different Spock thing. Yeah. I mean it, it, Anton Yelchin was Chekhov and Carl Urban is um is Bones. Yeah.
3: In yeah.
2: those movies. I know they're not the original people, but they they really embody the characters in ways that the other ones are actors playing a character named, as it seems to me. Not saying they're bad, right. but they just – I mean they're they are married to those characters in a way. Right. Um, Anton Yelchin, though, I mean uh, the first time I remember seeing him was Hearts in Atlantis, hmm. which is um, a movie adaptation of a Stephen King uh, book. It's like maybe one-third of the actual book. It's basically the first third of the book. Uh, really great book, actually. But – um. I loved him. It was him and Anthony Hopkins. It was basically their movie. There were other people in it, but they were basically the two people that were on screen most of the time, Uh, which is amazing to me that you can have like a 10- or 11-year-old kid, because I want to say that's about what he was at the time, uh, with a seasoned actor like Anthony Hopkins. And this was way post Silence of the Lambs. I mean, this is you know Anthony Hopkins in big letters, top of the marquee. Right. Twenty-seven is, as, as I mean, there's no good age, but twenty-seven is just a stupid age because a tremendous amount more would have come from this guy. And it's not like you know the whole, well, I'm going to be checkout out for the rest of my life. You know, I mean, that's, I mean, he he was an actor who who could easily have done so much more incredible stuff. Um. um
1: I I got an email from uh, a listener and friend online, Tony, who uh, the day the news broke, he he sent me a private message and said, I I just I want to talk to somebody about this because I don't know what to to make of it. And I said, you know, there's a tragedy already that this is a young, promising actor. And it's a tragedy that by all accounts, he was just a great guy. Just a yeah. nice guy who had a lot of fun and and really sort of, um, it, it, you know, was engaging and kind and participatory with all of his castmates and, and crewmates. And then I said to Tony that, you know, we as Star Trek fans are uh, we're kind of unique in that we have this sense of participation and ownership with this franchise that a lot of other people don't feel with other popular franchises, Star Wars, James Bond, whatever the case may be. And Mm -hmm. we've been very lucky over the last 50 years that many of us have gotten to know in some respect and and see these actors and producers and writers and creators in an up-close way that a lot of other fans of other properties don't get to see. So mm-hmm. we did a supplement when we talked about Leonard Nimoy's passing and it, it hurt. That was so tragic and so sad. But part of it was like, wow, we've seen this guy in front of us for 50 years and he has had a great run and he has touched so many lives. Mm-hmm. And he's sort of a part of the family in that respect. Um, and we've seen so many other Star Trek actors who have had that good long run. And it's sort of like losing a grandparent or something like this. Something with and, uh, something like Anton Yelchin here. It feels so sudden, and and that much more tragic when you see the promise that he had.
2: Yeah, and then you know, and then on top of it, it's just stupid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just incredibly stupid. I, I did see something the other day, and I'm going to try to lighten the mood a tiny bit, mm-hmm. although I don't know that it actually works. Um, somebody asked the other day if 2016 was being written by Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> you know, and I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, maybe a little because you get, I mean, just you know, random and awful. And let's, can can we not talk about death anymore? Yeah, no, let's move are on. You, are you, okay no, with that? All on. right, cool. We,
1: there are many yeah. other current events before we get to the Q and a section here. Um, yes.
2: And, and looking down the list, it doesn't look like any of them involve anybody dying. No, no. Thank so no. that's, <laughs> that's yeah. good. Yeah.
1: Um, now, one thing that has happened in the last uh, several weeks here, we got a lot of emails and comments about it, was uh, the launch of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. And, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I haven't listened to much of it. Um, yeah, me neither. Yeah. I haven't
2: listened to any of it actually yet. But oh, really? in no. fairness, I'm just getting to listen to a bunch of other stuff now. I took a road trip recently, so there are a bunch of podcasts that have been on my list for a very long time. Shout out to uh, – is it Shuttle Pod? And shout out to Women at Warp oh, yeah, and other yeah. Star Trek shows that I've been meaning to listen to for a very long time and am finally getting to now. So, yeah, Good. Engage is sort of down my list a bit. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I think there are a lot of people who felt like, oh, well, uh, Mission Log is the Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Why isn't this your show? And, and I can yeah. understand that there is that there is a <laughs> relationship between... CBS and Roddenberry, but they are not one and the same by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Yeah, and and I feel like Engage is something else. I feel like Engage is going to be, and I I may be proven wrong. I don't know. I feel like Engage is setting itself up to be sort of a very interview and celebrity-driven show that kind of like Nerdist will be a broad topic, general interest show with with a focus on Trek. There will be that for sure but I feel like they're going for a different type of audience. I feel like, Ken, you and I have been very lucky that we got an audience right away who just sort of got what we were doing, and they wanted to be in it for the long haul. We're going to watch Star Trek. We're going to talk about it. We're going to pick it apart. We'll agree, we'll disagree, whatever, but it's a very specific and very narrow focus, and you and I may, oh, I don't know, watch a show that we feel like is not great. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah you know? yeah i mean the the one thing I would say where c b s is uh footing the bill and where they've actually you know thought enough about how they want to formulate a podcast um this is not to knock anybody who's involved with the show, and just as you said, uh we may be proven wrong if uh the twenty seventeen series uh stinks you might not hear that so much on engage, and I'm not saying that we're gonna sit here and bash it either, but I mean the cool thing about not being tied to c b s at all is we can actually talk about. I mean, the question at the end of the show is, does this work or does this hold up? And I don't know that that'll be a question that's necessarily going to be asked. I mean, you might be able to, you know, 48 years later, look back and go, boy, cat's paw, huh? (laughs) You know, but I don't think they're going to be sitting there going, boy, last night's episode, huh? You know, so which is not to knock them. It's just um, now that said, if they had come to me with their checkbook, I'd be like, promote it. Yeah, yeah.
3: (laughs)
1: Well, why not? Can
2: I keep doing mission log as well? Right. I mean, that would be that. Well, to be be fair,
1: we've talked about this upcoming 2017 show. And what does that mean for us? What does it mean for podcasting? Well, all I can say, we've been talking about it. We haven't really thought what that would be or what it could be. But sure. Uh, You know, we've always felt like there's plenty of room for Star Trek podcasts. We have a unique voice. Every other show has a unique voice. It's not anybody's obligation to to try to sound like or be like any other show um, right you just said that you listen to other Star Trek podcasts. I do too and um, and we all should. We should all be
2: so supportive. Who are those guys that like love me and hate you by the way? Oh, uh, they're my stalkers actually
1: that's uh, Dan and Bill.
2: okay, Trent geeks.
1: yeah, yeah,
2: okay, forgive me because I did the shout out earlier to those other shows. I listened to like two or three episodes of Trent geeks on my uh, on my drive down. Mm-hmm. I want them to know that I did that. Yeah. I want them to know actually that I listened to Omega Glory (laughs) just for them. And then I went back and listened to our Omega Glory just for me.
1: (laughs) And and by the way, also the producers of a very fine podcast called The Lido Deck, which you can find at lidodeckpodcast.com.
2: You know the problem with Lido deck is they put out like one a year, maybe.
1: You know what? Because it, it takes time. <laughs> it takes time to be that good.
2: That's true. There were. The, it's no a, a, B plot on no. the love boat. It's like no. A, B, C, and D. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I get it. It's very complex.
1: It. You have a lot of character arcs to follow. So.
2: Yeah, that's true. All games. right. All
1: right. Uh, so that actually led us to Star Trek 2017. It's coming. Yep. There is yep. no new
2: news. I heard something on one of the shows the other day, actually. A rumor? That it's going to be like, no, I, well, I don't know. That's the problem. I heard that it's actually going to be one long story arc as opposed to uh, several different stories. Has that been said officially? Because nope. on some show that I was listening to, they made it sound like that was said officially.
1: Uh, I, I would not hold anything that you hear on any show to All right. be gospel until the show actually comes out.
2: All right. Yeah. Well, well then I won't say whether or not I like that idea.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? I've heard a lot of different ideas. I've heard a lot of different theories. And um, all that I can say is that from from little murmurings that I've heard, um, it's in good hands. Go
2: to it. Right, right, right. Yes.
3: can't
2: wait. Uh, We'll we'll talk about it again in 2017. We will. We will. And in Vegas and between now and 2017 and between Vegas and 2017.
1: Well, and you know what? CBS are being very smart. They have things that will be rolling out between now and January. They've planned this down to the minute uh, (laughs) with with what will be released at Comic-Con, what will be released at Vegas. Uh, We will be hearing stuff.
2: I hear they're starting a podcast.
1: Really? Boy, that's (laughs) weird. (laughs) That's so odd. Um, I know. Hey, speaking of Vegas, right yes. around the corner as of the recording of uh, this show, and yep. of course we will have a table. Yep, um, not just any table. We will be at the Roddenberry Island, as we call it. Yes, um, yes.
2: So we'll be in the we'll be in the big room with the with the big people. Mm-hmm. Easy yeah. to
1: find. Easy to find. Uh, now there are many big rooms with many yes. big people because this is going to be a huge convention.
2: Yeah. Right, so it's, it's yeah. the 50th anniversary, I don't know if you heard that.
1: Yeah, well, it, it, I did.
2: <laughs> yeah. And,
1: and it sold out. Um, yes,
2: a and, while ago it sold out. The yeah. Rio is actually sold out. The that was the amazing out. thing to me. Rio is sold out. People are now staying in overflow hotels. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I think a lot of people are staying at the Palms, of memory serves. Yeah. Like, that was sort of the, oh, you can't get a room here, get a room there. And how many times does that happen? Right. I mean, the Rio, no offense, but seriously, how many times? Is it like, nope, Rio's full, you got to go to the Palms. <laughs> oh, man. Right. Right. But I wanted to go to the Rio. Yeah, yeah It's a great place. Don't misunderstand me. It's my home for a week. Right. And it's it's the home I long for the other 51 <laughs> weeks of the year. It's right. just weird to think, wow, the Rio is sold out. But you can get in down the street. Well, it's going to be. Big. So, are we going to tell people where we're going to be? You said we're going to be at the Roddenberry table. We'll that is one of the places table. we're going to be. Uh, yeah.
1: We'll be at other places. So, we will have our creation stage panel. Um, and I believe it's already public knowledge. I believe it's already on the creation website that the topic this year for our show, me and you and Rod, will be uh. Gene Roddenberry versus Star Trek.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like this title.
1: Yeah, I like yeah. I
2: like this idea quite a bit.
1: Actually, thanks to Rod for uh, coming up and and kind of finessing that idea a bit. Um, the, he wanted something that would maybe spark a little controversy, a little interest. And the idea is that where we will land <laughs> with Mission Log by that time, we will be almost to the end of nineteen ninety one. Yeah. Um, so coming up into the fifth season, kind of the middle of the fifth season of Star Trek, not quite the middle, but you know. And of course, we lost Gene in December of 1991. So that's it. That's the period of his influence over Star Trek and all the incarnations it took between 1964, really, with writing the pilot for the Cage, uh, and then up until his uh, his death in 1991. So we will look back at his influence uh, for better or for worse.
2: It'll be fun
1: it will
2: it will it'll be interesting yes yeah. it'll and be it a continuation another... honestly of some discussion that we've had here yeah yeah exactly as well yeah and but will be but another, you know uh, you can throw things at us cuz we'll be right there in front of you no, no, bring tomatoes no, we yeah we don't actually <laughs> whichever one you don't doesn't
1: throw chips at all.
2: Yeah, we don't want not not the kind with salsa, the kind that you know with the thing that's like anyway. Yeah, right. Sorry.
1: (laughs) There will also be at the Roddenberry stage, which will be in Quarks Bar, and this is cool because a little bit smaller stage, kind of a cabaret setup, tables and chairs. Um, uh, You will not be doing a
2: uh, Joel Gray impression, from what I'm told. well, no, well. It, it depends on if anybody's standing right next to me right okay. if, you, if, you, if you can get to me and stop me in time I won't be doing a Joel Gray imitation okay all right otherwise welcome and new welcome
1: <laughs> that'll be the fun stage that'll be where uh, we do some lighthearted stuff uh, the Trania Symposium we'll do some game show stuff some giveaways for sure so keep your eye on the Roddenberry stage schedule as that comes out because we will be there um pretty much every day that we're
2: not on the creation stage so okay yeah wow cool i should actually check what we're doing huh
1: yeah maybe
2: maybe are we gonna bring by the way and and i don't believe that what goes on in quark's bar Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna do the whole stays in quark's bar thing i I don't believe that what goes on in quark's bar actually enables us to serve Mm -hmm. tronya Mm -hmm. are we gonna make sure that we have enough um ingredients that we could maybe have our own someplace Tranya like tasting party or something
1: oh like a uh like uh, like a landing like a, like, party Tranya taste test
2: oh interesting that yeah. hadn't even occurred to me that it would be the landing party that's a great idea Now i yeah. was thinking back back up to your room because my room's going to be a mess but right. i was thinking back up to your room <laughs> just have everybody come up
3: yeah yeah
1: yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll or you Americans. know the
2: guy who's actually doing the Tranya symposium and yeah, maybe we could have everybody to his room
1: right sure yeah. So we'll, we'll let yeah. Him know. Yeah. All right. Wait a minute.
2: Did Kent just indicate that there will be a special guest doing the Tranya Symposium? Uh, he, he he might have. What? He might have. Who might yeah. that
1: be? All, All right. I don't know. Uh, other news. So Star Trek Beyond. Paramount just had the fan event not that long ago, May twentieth. In the lead up for the uh, the official release, they had a premiere in Australia. The U.S. premiere soon to follow. Uh, Sulu is gay. Nothing else there. So let's move on. Uh, <laughs>
2: wait,
1: what? Wait, go back. What was that? Okay. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Sulu is gay. And most everybody is fine with it, except for Sulu.
1: <laughs> except for George Takei.
2: Except for George Takei. Yeah. Which is interesting. This kind of, this honestly might end up being part of our conversation about Star Trek versus Gene Roddenberry, because you have sort of the subset, uh, the, the Roddenberry purists, maybe, versus um, everything that comes after. Yeah. So, because yeah. George Decay now is saying, he did the, it, if you haven't read the Hollywood Reporter article, he talks about the fact that in what, the mid 60s, I guess, 66, 67, 67, 68, 68,
1: he talked to Gene yeah. About this.
2: yeah. He talked to Gene about, um, I guess the only thing you would have called them at that point would be gay issues i suppose because you know the idea of lgbtq was just you know that's like somebody who doesn't understand the alphabet i mean we didn't have all those all those initials for all of those different uh, groups at the time but he did talk to him a bit about about um uh, closeted hollywood i suppose and Gene basically said that he was fighting too many fights in too many places, and it wasn't something he could do, I guess. I don't know if he indicated at that time or indicated there was something he could never do ever. But he just basically said at that point that he couldn't do it. And George Takei tells that story. And yet George Takei thinks it's a mistake to make Sulu gay now. He thinks they should have created an entirely new gay character, Yeah, which I'm I'm – Curious about now. One thing I did not know, the Hollywood Reporter. I mean, certainly you would see Sulu leering at a girl occasionally, or you'd see him hanging out with a couple of girls occasionally. But his sexuality was never actually stated. Mm-hmm. Now, again, 60s television—you wouldn't state anybody's sexuality. They were either straight or they were your funny uncle. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was no there was no discussion of sexuality really in an open way. So. But I mean like even in the later movies or anything else, his his sexuality was never actually stated and yet he seems to think that – and certainly he owned the character for a while. Uh, he seems to be under the impression that Sulu was straight. Right. And, it, and they shouldn't write him differently. I can't help but remember um, when we talked to Nichelle Nichols a few years ago, mm-hmm. asking her what ownership she felt over Uhura, uh, especially in the wake of Zoe Saldana now taking her over for the movies. And Michelle Nichols said she had none. That, that's somebody else's character now. And I wonder if that is it that I mean, I wonder if that's something that you can say as an actor, but you still feel like you know the character. And so when somebody writes it in a completely different way, do you feel like, hey, hold on, now you're messing with something? I mean, you know, if somebody else wants to act it one way, that's that's one thing, but if you want to change the character drastically, that's another. Otherwise it's just Takei's uh, to Kay's take on it is honestly very surprising.
1: Yeah. Well, so imagine that it's 1968 in a in a parallel universe where this could have thing this kind of thing could have gone over and Gene could have pushed the envelope a bit more and he mm-hmm. had this conversation with Take and said, "You know what? It is about time that we have uh, a gay character on TV and uh, I'm going to make Sulu that character." Mm-hmm. Now, George is the hired actor to play that role and mm-hmm. it's up to him if he could you know, fight it or be flattered by it or whatever. But ultimately the producer and the writer and the director, they have more control of that project than he does. And even if the actor says, well, I've been playing him straight all along, that actually doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, if the producer, the writer, etc., tells you, well, this is what we've written for this character to do. And if mm-hmm. you feel like you don't want to play that character anymore, you don't have to play that character anymore. Um, mm. You know, so I, I think where this is getting really murky is that um, George, for, for very very valid reasons, has felt a sense of ownership over this role. But yeah. George also has a very public life where he's politically active, where he takes on issues that are important to the LGBTI communities. I hope I got them all in there. What uh, is I? Uh, I'm and, sorry. I thought yeah, uh, oh. it was sex. Yeah. Okay, So out Q. He, oh, and they leave out Q? Okay, well, yeah. all, all the letters. All okay. the letters, all right. Right. Um, he has taken these on, and that is part of his identity. So I, I understand that he can't help but see something like this as being relevant to what he does in his real life, and that, that sort of makes things very murky. I, I get that. I, I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that... You know, I haven't seen the movie yet, but the way that I've heard this plays out, the way that I've heard uh, the, the actors and writers talk about this, it seems to me that this is the best possible choice to try to do something like this, to try to, to push that envelope. Because essentially what they've done is this. They've said, here's a character you've known for 50 years and you've loved for 50 years. And here are all the things that make this character great. He's a father. He's a helmsman. He's an astrophysicist, if you go back to the very beginning. He's a captain, if you look at him in the movies. um, He looks great with his shirt off, (laughs) you know. These are all these things that you love about Sulu. And by the way, here's this other little aspect of this character that now you get to chew on for a bit. It's the total opposite of shoehorning in a new character and saying, look, everybody, look, this is the gay character who will then forever (laughs) be known as the gay character. Right. I think yeah. that's insulting to try to do it like that.
2: Well, I mean, it depends on – right. Yes. I don't want to say it's – yeah. I'm with you. I mean, you, honestly, I had no problem with it before, but now you've actually made a case for why it should be the way it is at okay. this point, cool. I think. so. Well, I,
1: so. I, I'll tell you this. I, I put a, a couple of uh, posts on my personal Facebook page where I usually don't post anything even remotely controversial or whatever. And this got more than a few comments – um, mm-hmm. Now, fortunately, those comments were not hateful. They were not um, homophobic in the least. But some of it just came from a place of, well, I don't like what the J.J. Abrams movies do. Therefore, I'm not going to like this. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And then there were uh, there were comments to sort of siding with George because, well, it's George and he owns this character. But I I disagree with that
2: yeah so does, so does nichelle nichols yeah so. right right she would she would be one to ask maybe so
1: now hmm. speaking of beyond there's another mm-hmm. bit of controversy around beyond and that was with the release of the rihanna music video uh for
2: sledgehammer <laughs> okay. and you know this is i'm ag- I, I will tell you no let me just stop you right there i'm yeah. against it peter Gabriel's sledgehammer that's the one <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's a very different song, Ken. It's oh, is very it? Very different, yeah.
2: I didn't bother listening because I assumed it was the same thing. You're telling me you're telling me something has changed and evolved, and, and, and I should maybe give it a try, too? Yeah, maybe,
1: maybe, maybe eh. this is the time. Um, so, uh, first of all, some interesting uh, facts about this video. So, mm-hmm. it, it's her sort of in, not in character, but in universe for yeah. Star Trek Beyond. And you, you open and close a video with Shots of the Enterprise and, and she's worked into that that world. It's the first music video shot in IMAX, which is okay. cool. So I don't know if they'll be showing this before or after movie screenings in IMAX, but pretty neat that they did it that way. Um, to me, it sounds kind of like a Bond song. In fact, I haven't liked the title tracks for a few of the recent James Bond movies. This, I think, would have been better than the Sam Smith song that they use in specter but too bad they're going to use it for star trek anyway um it's not the very first time that a popular song has been used with star trek in some form sean cassidy recorded uh, a a lyrical version of ilia's theme from star trek motion picture that's a weird track it's a very weird track he sings a heck of uh. it but it's a weird track
2: uh, dude have you heard it? i'm kind of, no and now i'm sort of like part of me feels like i have to and part of me wonders if i should
1: no you really should it, really it's, it's a fantastic piece of music there is all no right. reason to put lyrics to it at all other than to try to sell <laughs> records but you know what sean cassidy he sells it he absolutely nails the vocals in that but I say that, again, with the premise that there's no reason for it to exist. <laughs> yeah, right,
2: right, okay.
1: <laughs> at um, and then in First Contact, you had uh, you had Ubi Doobie, you had Magic Carpet Ride. Um, those weren't... Well, that's different. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they were in the movie, but then they were also on the soundtrack album, at least Magic Carpet Ride was.
2: So, it should have been too, man. Yeah. Still, every now and then, every now and then, I play that song. That's actually one of my favorite old songs. And yeah. and every now and then, I'm playing. It and I'm like, I totally understand why Zef from Cochrane had to have this while he was blasting into yeah, space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway,
1: so um, what this comes down to is that uh, they release the Rihanna song and. I don't care if you like her or not. And I don't care if you like the song or not. So what? There's a stylistic judgment call about whether or not we have a, uh, uh, a pop song in a movie like Star Trek. Cool. Go have that debate. I will be elsewhere. But what this did spark when they released a Star Trek 50 in 50, they were Mm -hmm. uh, 52nd comments from people from all walks of life talking about what they thought of Star Trek. And, and she says in the video that she's a fan. She watched the show with her father when she was growing up. Um, and, and that's fine. And a lot of fans absolutely went
2: ballistic. <laughs> that should be fine, that's what you meant should to say. should be fine,
1: yeah. A lot of fans yeah. went ballistic saying that, uh, well, she's not a fan. This is a cynical marketing ploy, and she didn't name any characters, et cetera, et cetera. And it turned into this argument about gatekeeping. Um, yeah. Fans who are gatekeeping Star Trek fandom from others. And it just so happened that that very day uh, I-, I had posted a thing on Facebook about it. And that very day we got an email that I will read here from Johnny Simpson. He says, hello, I wanted to ask you guys about this problem I've been seeing in Trek fandom, specifically gatekeeping. Probably you've seen this. When Trekkies are dismissive, judgmental, or otherwise question another person's authenticity or devotion to Star Trek. Happens in other fandoms, too. Most recently, Rihanna has been taking a lot of criticism online from people who are outraged that she said she's a Trek fan. And a fair amount of this is rooted in sexism, mostly as male fans questioning female fans' authenticity or whether female fans have sufficient knowledge and experience. I find this behavior offensive and frequently sexist, and totally against the ideals and values of Star Trek. It's so hypocritical for a Trekkie to say they believe in Star Trek values, in itic and individuality, etc., and then to essentially bully other people for the crime of liking something they like. Anyway, I guess my question is: Have you guys ever addressed this on mission log or online, wherever? What is causing this aggressive behavior in people who watch a show that is about inclusion and sensitivity? What can should Trekkies do to stem the tide of this behavior? Do you have any thoughts on this issue? Thanks so much. Love the show. Best Johnny. Uh, well, wow. That's a huge set of questions. And yeah. um, we addressed it a little bit. I don't know if you remember that when we did the interview with Kayla LaFrance and, uh, Curtis Armstrong, the very next show, we addressed something like this because Curtis said that Star Trek, the original series with his Star Trek, the other things weren't Star Trek to him. Mm. And, and, and it kind of left this bad taste in some people's mouths. And, and I wanted to, to sort of nip that in the bud a little bit. And I don't really like conversations that go in that direction to say, "Well, well, this thing that I like is authentic. These other things that you like, well, those are not authentic. Those are fake. And and you don't understand it if you like this other thing. Because it does come back to this gatekeeping idea. And it, and it just simply got uglier when the Rihanna video came out and then her Star Trek fans 50
2: and 50 or 5450 came out. Um, I kind of want to split those out really quickly, though. I mean, next gen has always been my Star Trek. That is obviously not to say that none of the other Star Treks are. Sure. One of the first people I met and hung out with in Vegas um, when I went, but when we didn't even have a table, when we didn't even have a show yet, we launched that first day. Uh, one of the people that I hung out with there, uh, her Star Trek is Enterprise. Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. Um You talk about the gatekeeping thing and and all of that, and I'm reminded of somebody who visited our table, I guess, two years ago. It was a mom and a daughter. Mm -hmm. The daughter was, I want to say, maybe 12 or 13. Okay. And they were both in costume. Yeah. And neither of them had actually been to a Star Trek convention before. This was their first. And talk about going into the deep end. I mean, it's like – and I asked how it is, so I was like, were you always, and then how did your daughter and, you know, all this stuff? Because it turns out she's the reason that they were there, the 13-year-old or 12 or 13-year-old was the reason that they were there. And, and I said, so what are you doing? I mean, like, what, what was it about this? And she said, well, honestly, uh, she saw Into Darkness, mm. and she really liked it. And we said, she and her husband said, okay, well, if you like that, you should probably see the first one, so you know what we're talking about. And so she saw uh, Star Trek, the reboot, and she really liked that and then and then they were like crossing their fingers going okay well if you like that you should probably actually see where the whole thing started mm. and now she's watched all of star trek all of it but she went back to the original series and blew through i don't know if she watched animated series or not but i mean this whole idea of you can't be this if you're not this i mean in a way it's kind of a you know rising tide raises all boats or maybe you know any doorway in is a doorway in I remember we saw Larry Nemechek speak, and he had everybody raise their hands. Um, you're here in Vegas at a Star Trek convention. You're obviously a Star Trek fan. How many people are here because of the original series? And a good number of hands came up. How many people are here for Next Gen? And some hands came up. The question about the J.J. Verse and the question about the animated series, each had hands raised as well. Yeah. And yet those people are devoted enough now, they're big enough into it, that they're, that they're there now as far as how it is that those people will then stand there and say well if you can't say at least five words in Klingon then then you're not really a fan I mean that part I don't understand I mean you can sort of question yourself about I would not say that I. well I don't know you can sort of question yourself about no you can't, screw it, it's no, Star no. Trek the,
1: the whole thing makes me ill I mean it, it really yeah. does because I see it in other fandoms um, it, it just happens that that Because we have the internet, because we have Twitter, because we have places that people can rattle off something very quickly and without thinking, maybe, uh, and there is that shield of anonymity, that they feel like they can say hateful, terrible things, impugning somebody else's level of fandom, which is a stupid thing to get worked up about anyway. Um, (laughs) Really is. I mean, here's the thing. This is not a religion. There is no test. Right. You know, um, this is simply a happy diversion. This is a hobby. And everybody's got to start somewhere. Um, I've been so glad to hear from people who say, you know, I I just found your show and I just started watching Star Trek. Or like you're mentioning, I I had only seen the J.J. Abrams movies. Then I went back and started watching this and then I found your show. And I like this show, but I don't like that show. That's great. That's yeah. fine. I'm not going to be standing at the door as a bouncer saying who can come in and who can't. I think that's petty and obnoxious, truly hateful behavior. I, I don't get it. Um, yeah. So, Johnny, I'm on your side here. You know, I do see it leveled more frequently at women than I do at men. Um, I think it would take somebody who's probably more deeply involved and probably looking at social sciences and that kind of thing to figure out exactly why and where that's coming from. Um, But it happens maybe not more frequently, but certainly with with a kind of volume that I haven't been aware of more so until I'd say within the last five years, you know? I never felt like when I was a 14-year-old or 15-year-old or 16-year-old going to conventions – That if I was there as a Star Trek fan or a Battlestar Galactica fan or a Star Wars fan, that if somebody said, um, hey, did you ever see – oh, if you're into spy stuff, did you ever see The Prisoner? No, I've never heard of it. Oh, you should totally check it out. Not get out of here because you haven't heard of this little obscure (laughs) British show that at the time you could only get on bootleg VHS. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know?
2: I thought you said you were a fan.
1: (laughs) Right. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of uh, tragic and awful. And yet, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so I, I don't know what we can necessarily do about it, but um, I love hearing from people who have different stories about their fandom and how they came to it. And I don't care if you decided five minutes ago that you're a Star Trek fan. Certainly if you went to the trouble to buy a ticket, to go to Vegas, to go to a convention, to put on a costume, whatever the case may be, you're expressing your fandom.
2: Um, <laughs> there. I will say there is a special place in my heart, though, for a Star Trek fan who says, How can you not understand itic?" Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. dude. Yeah. yeah. Come on by. One of us will buy the other a drink. But you know what?
1: Say. You and I have seen in the course of doing Mission Log that there are people who certainly get different things out of different shows. Sure. And, and the priority for them is one thing, and the priority for others is, is something else. So yes. that's fine, too. That's absolutely fine, too. I would say that there are certain central themes that keep reoccurring in Star Trek. One of those has a little more to do with inclusion.
2: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Plus, it comes with a neat little medallion. It does. does. Who doesn't like that? Um, We got another email from Jason. Not another one from Jason. We got another email. This one is from Jason. Okay. Um. Hello. Episode one eighty three. First contact is some of the best track, if for no other reason than that Ken. Oh, this is why you wanted me to read this one. <laughs> that Ken got so fired up about the episode's ending. Uh, track has always put forth a progressive, positive vision of the future. In this episode, a civilization much like ours decides not to reach for that, and it is this, I think, that upset Ken. What a great job the show has done building its message. When it's gone, people notice. I think we are meant to feel as Ken did and side with Maris. Marasta Marasta yeah. sorry Rasta. it's been a while yeah. so with Marasta uh, the episode would have fared better to focus on this than to add in the sex scene with Riker that scene was supposed to provide levity and flopped even though it was parallel to the plot in some ways thanks for the show signed Jason yeah this is this honestly and this will probably come up as well in our and um, our thing in Vegas would be my guess yeah. i like the idea that uh, i like the idea that we can make it the stories that say the stories that choose was said to say we can make it someday mm-hmm. it sort of make me sad because we're talking about the 24th century. Mm-hmm. And I, I sort of like the idea that, you know, everybody gets up and over. And if we if we if we can't even tell those stories, we can't even in our imaginings say happily ever after. Yeah, sure. It takes some work. But, you know, yeah. that, that we do what, you know, I would hope anyway that we would decide is the right thing. Um, yeah, that's why that got under my skin so much. I, I, still, I, love, I love the fact, though, that his favorite part is that it got so much under my skin. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: nice,
3: yeah. Um, I yeah. Do, do this side of paradise! Do this side God, of paradise! No,
1: no, uh, I, I still come down on the other side a little bit. I, I totally understand and, and respect your position on that. I, you know, that's something that's very weird. I, I think that people write in and, and they'll say, uh, I side with Ken, or I side with John, and I'm like, mm-hmm. there's really not a side here, <laughs> you know, we're, we're sort of we're not doing this uh, uh, with the the plan of sort of like taking score. And then by the end of it, you know, who who liked what and who didn't and, and who came out on what side. We, we've always thought of Mission Log as a discussion, and that discussion involves our listeners, too. And mm-hmm. as Star Trek has shown very often, there aren't really hard black and white answers to a lot of the ideas that they present. Um, so I, I think this is one that I think this is one that I will sort of continue to toy with because I'm still coming from the position that the Federation is that better, brighter future. And when we see another civilization that we want to do better, that sort of, that's holding up the the path that was not taken. and -hmm. and should not be taken by us. So if we say that the aliens also represent us, just as the Federation represents us, the Federation represents that part. uh, The Federation represents the part that got it right. And then maybe in this case, um, in first contact, that civilization is what could be if we allow sort of our worst nature to take over.
2: Are we relitigating this, or are we just talking about the fact that it happened? Because I, I mean, I do have a response if you want. Sure. But if you don't, that's fine too. We we can just in Vegas. We can leave people to ask us. Yeah, the problem is, I seriously don't remember. But try me. Okay. All right.
1: All right. So let's move on. This is a quick one because we actually got (laughs) um, a few emails. Uh, We got one from Danny. We got uh, comments on Twitter from Adam. Um, In the episode, the wounded. A lot Mm -hmm. of people ask, why didn't you talk about the song Minstrel Boy that was played Mm -hmm. to such dramatic effect at the end um, or sung to such dramatic effect at the end? And uh, the reason is this. It was kind of funny to me that that was such a dramatic moment in the show, in that particular episode, but it was so not important in the drafting of that story. Mm-hmm. So it would be one thing. I, I read the uh, the initial story draft from that, um, and Jerry Taylor had uh, had written it and put into her notes, and it was hilarious to me that. And you find this very very often that something that has become very iconic, very recognizable and memorable for that show, was really an afterthought. Um, so in the story breakdown, you get to that last scene. And it says, like, and then the two come together, and they, they sit on a chair in the ready room, or they sit on the couch in the ready room, and they have a really dramatic scene. <laughs> you know? And it was just shorthand for saying, we need to come up with something that sells the drama of the moment. That, right. that here's O'Brien faced with his former commander, and he has respect for him. This guy's off the deep end, and he made some bad decisions. So um, we're just going to play this for drama. There was yeah. no mention of a song, certainly not a song by title, Minstrel Boy. It was just a placeholder, and then something happens. <laughs> and yeah. that's what they did. So, great. It worked.
2: <laughs> it, is, it is a great character moment, but it wasn't like... Yeah, it's a great character moment, but it, like the song itself didn't seem to me to be a hundred percent applicable. It was just something that was like with the character, mm-hmm. and it, yeah, it was a very, it was a very touching moment, but it wasn't like a a literary theme that ran all through and all is revealed when he sings this song. It's more like, oh wow, that was really yeah, that was touching. Yeah, but it was, I mean, what was key in the moment was the scene, not you know what the scene centered around. Right. He right. could as, he could as easily have had a totem that he'd been walking around with the whole time. And then done some monologue, about, do you know why I carry this? And then that be the thing instead. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a very dramatic moment, but it's not a it's not an overly yeah. Uh, it's key, but it's not key. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does to me. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but but that's why we didn't talk about it in the witness
2: uh, the fact we didn't talk about it yeah, at right, all, right? right. So <laughs> it's perfect sense in the you. for the episode. Yeah.
1: Um, maybe because I, I secretly knew I would hold on to that for for something later. But yeah, that that was just. It was kind of funny to me because I already watched the show a few times before I got that document. I was like, "See, they didn't even give it a second thought. <laughs> they just, yeah, is it, somebody go find a song. What, what should we do? Should we do a
2: song? All right, do a song. Come up to something. I, I do have a question for you.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Why do you hate me?
1: Why do I hate you?
2: Yeah, David from Ohio writes in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can tell. John actually decided who was going to read what email. Uh, Uh, John's last email, by the way, was about a line, I think. So way to go, sir. You you really sold that. You nailed it. Good job. I'm going to read this one, which is a few more lines. Okay. (sighs) Hi, John and Ken. I've been listening to your podcast, at least for TNG and some of TOS, watching the episodes for the last month or two, and I finally caught up on the podcast. I really enjoyed your personalities and hear you riff off of each other, uh, but I don't always agree with your views, and I've had a few questions for you, and I'm just now getting around to writing to you. You seem to have a problem every time they bring up Christianity. I think you have uh, overreacted to the slightest hint of it since the very beginning in the cage and the menagerie. If Pike didn't believe in a hell, it is part of Earth legend like the Norse gods are to me and I presume to you. But even if he does, why would it be impossible for Pike to believe in a heaven and hell? Would it not be a more inclusive future if there are people from different religions on board the Enterprise? Which brings me to Bread and Circuses. As a 13-year-old Christian guy, when I first watched the episode on CBS.com, wow, he should get, he should get like promotional consideration for should, saying where he watched yeah. it. Yeah. As a 13-year-old Christian guy, when I first watched the episode on CBS.com, and now I've said it twice, so I should get promotional mention consideration rather okay sorry as a 13 year old christian guy when i first watched the episode on cbs.com cha-ching i really liked the idea in it um i don't believe there is extraterrestrial life but if there were i think it's a fun idea to explore the idea that there is a jesus for each planet at the end when uhura revealed the twist i liked it and if klingons and vulcans are allowed to have their different religions and factions within why not humans Uh, Would that not make a more inclusive and diverse future? Why should Kirk, Bones, and Uhura be Christians, if not believers, uh, then at least open to the idea? In my opinion, in the line, who mourns for Adonais or Adonai or whichever, and and in who mourns, uh, we find the one quite adequate uh, tells me that Kirk is a Christian. That's, of course, referring to the line when when Kirk says they don't need other gods, they find one uh, quite adequate. Mm -hmm. Um, Tells him that Kirk is a Christian, so says David Nohio
1: yeah well uh, first of all thank you david uh,
2: yes thank you very much
1: because that that see we were just talking about this that's so cool to me that a 13 year old who has found the show and is listening to us and and is getting inspired and thinking about these ideas that we grapple with and try to pick apart from star trek that's what this whole thing is about so yes um, i'm i'm floored and i cannot thank you enough for writing in uh so ken go ahead (laughs) <laughs> no. um
2: no but the telosians the telosians were the ones who said a myth from uh earth's past or whatever it was i'm not the one saying that fight can't believe in that the telosians were yeah so what was stated on the screen was you know uh, this was a the thing they used to believe in but they don't anymore now i do have a and i'm not and you know whatever your feeling on that is is great and if I sound like I'm harshing, I certainly don't want to. I'm very impressed and I remember the kinds of things that I was wondering about and thinking about when I was a thirteen year old as well. And I'm not saying that to be condescending at all. I'm saying you're a bright kid with a lot of really great great questions. So let me ask you one. And if you haven't watched it yet, I'm gonna ask you two. What did you think of Magics of Megas Two? Which is the one where we meet the devil, who it turns out is not the devil. Yep. And I'm not. I'm not saying aha. I'm saying I would be curious to know what your take on that episode was. Um, and and I I yeah, it is very cool of a 13 year old to write in with what's obviously a dissenting for you and me. I'm not saying for everybody, obviously, because you know. Well, I passed five churches on the way here, and I just came from the kitchen. Yeah. Hello, <laughs> and so, but I mean, I mean, it's. I, I, thank you very much for writing again, and thank you very much for posing your questions. And I and I I pose one back to you, and I do hope we hear from you on it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, here's the thing. Um, Star Trek is a show that deals with all aspects of humanity. Um, mm-hmm some in a more nuanced way than others, some in a more forceful way than others. And it also kind of depends on who's in charge at the time and who's writing the <laughs> stories at
2: the time. So, Which is a really, that's a really difficult thing to deal with though, right? Because we place a lot of emphasis on canon. And so certainly when Kirk says we find the one quite adequate, that would seem to indicate in canon that Kirk is a Christian. But then the problem is when you're talking about canon, you have to say, okay, also though, what were the outside influences that were, you know, going into popular culture at the time. What right. kinds of things were people allowed to say or not allowed to say on network television? What would they be encouraged to say or not encouraged to say? And yet, then all of a sudden, if you're going to have people who are going to be able to tell you on what page, you know, some reference to something in one of the books that Larry Nemichek wrote is, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I mean, if you're going to have people who are going to stick so much to what is written in the script... Then are you allowed to talk about what's outside, or is it well that's proof that Kirk's Christian? Yeah, well, and, and
1: I, if I could just be pedantic for a moment, it, it's if we read it literally as it is, mm-hmm. that's only proof that Kirk is a monotheist. It's not proof that he's Christian.
2: <laughs> wow, that's S- amazing. Well, wow. seriously, yeah, yeah being quite yeah. serious
1: about that. I mean... No, I understand. Yeah, yeah. One
2: one one God's plenty. I'm not going to... And his name is Ball. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> or Vol, maybe. Or maybe Ball. he's still yeah. he's still thinking about Vol. You know, I should have let them because the one would have been... Yeah. Oh, well. Been thank, you very much for, thank you very much for your podcast. So so you're going to one-up my uh, 13-year-old with an 11-year-old?
1: Uh, <laughs> well, I, I just... I, I want to wrap up really quickly with David. We'll, we'll get to the 11-year-old in just a moment. I do want to oh, wrap sorry. Up very quickly just to say that, you know we we consider what we do to be uh, first of all the privilege that that we were chosen to do this to to talk about these issues on a show um yeah and, and we certainly come to it with our own biases our own interests um and and we try to make those very clear when we talk about this stuff um but we start from a place of asking each other what do we think star trek is trying to say either implicitly or explicitly because sometimes those things are at odds either within the same episode or from one episode to another. And when it comes to religion, I think star Trek has made a pretty good case for itself so far that it is not advocating any particular kind of religion. It doesn't say that religion doesn't exist because certainly we've seen people with, with different traditions at the very least and different beliefs. Um, But that's usually not the emphasis of the show. And Star Trek has done things like in The Magics of Megas 2 that really turn some of those ideas upside down. So um, we will continue to talk about these things. And and I'm so glad that David would write in and say, hey, here's where I'm coming from. Here's what a line like this means to me. Very cool. Yeah. Now I'll move on. So, yes, Um, now we have an email from Jamie. And I just have to read the subject line. I'm 11 years old and I love your podcast. Thank you.
2: Ah, we're hitting our target audience. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My name is Jamie Parkey. I live in Florida, even though I am sending this from Omaha, Nebraska. Kid gets.
2: That that explains the postmark. Yeah.
1: Yeah, right. I just (laughs) wanted to say that I love your show and that it makes me happy when I see that there is a new episode of my podcast library. You guys are funny and it makes me happy that there are people in the world that like Star Trek as much as I do, maybe even more. John, just so you know, whenever you make the joke that there are maybe two people who are waiting for John Champion's trivia, I am one of those people. Keep up the good work, Jamie. Thank you.
2: That's Jamie. very cool. That's that is awesome. very cool. I am now Jamie's yeah. number one fan. <laughs> <laughs> and Jamie seems to be the number one fan of uh, of uh, John Champion's trivia. Still waiting for the Brought, guy. To, brought to you, by the way, by CBS.com. Yeah. cha <laughs> Yeah. But not really. Yeah. Eleven. 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 That, Eleven. Ah.
1: I, I, yeah, I'm so happy
2: by that. Yes. Yeah, that's very cool. That's very cool. Thanks for writing in Jamie. Um, really? Okay. Seriously, why do you hate me? I mean, <laughs> not, not topic wise this time. But what is this like nine paragraphs here? Yeah. And it doesn't even have a name on Oh, no, Scott, Scott wrote in. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the drumhead is a couple of weeks out, but I wanted to send you my plea before the week arrives. Go for it. Don't hold back the messages, morals and meanings section of this episode should be hard hitting. There's a lot there that is even more relevant today than when it first aired. Uh, when a topic can veer into the political arena, you guys have done some dancing around to make sure that you don't alienate any of the, uh, any party. Um, I understand why you want to be neutral observers. It makes sense. But here you may have to lay some cards on the table to discuss morals. You have to take a moral stand. One of my favorite Star Trek themes is we are who we say we are. Uh, do we do that? Have we changed? How have we changed from personal security to privacy to torture? I feel like you guys should have a lot to talk about. I only ask uh, that you be who you say you are. Man, I've written this like four times, he continues. I don't like this version either. Uh, It makes it sound like I don't believe you guys would do this anyway. I do think you will. I guess I'm just trying to say you have support out there to take a stand. Idik, right? Uh, How often do you and Ken, so I guess mostly to you, how often do you and Ken see the same thing? Uh, You both have your opinion and let the other state theirs. You both walk away supporting the other guy's opinion whether you agree or not. Uh, I absolutely loved the Identity Crisis podcast where you saw an AIDS analogy and Ken saw addiction. I didn't see either until you guys said it, but I love both theories. Uh, that's what I love about the podcast, not what happens if you shut off the holodeck. I like that stuff too, and I think you guys strike the right balance. So says Scott.
1: That is an awesome email, Scott. Thank you. By the way, can I just uh, mention really quickly, I want to take the the end of this first where he talks about Identity Crisis it was really amusing to me that on the day that came out, I got a text from a friend of mine saying, How could you possibly see that that I, that doesn't make any sense And I wrote back to him saying, Well, my point was not that they were writing an AIDS allegory. my point was that that was something in the news, so the language that they were using on the show reminded me of that mm-hmm. uh, And then literally about two hours later, I checked on our website in the comment section, and there was uh, a comment from somebody saying, I lived through that. That reminded me so much of what I was experiencing in the 80s when AIDS was in the news and blah, blah, blah. So... It's just to to show that you know you can say the same thing on the air, and it doesn't matter who hears it. Two people will hear it in a totally different way and have a totally different uh, uh, response to it, reaction to it. Um, so that's that that's fine about that. I think what Scott is keying into here is that um, yes, you and I do try to make sure that we're clear about what is opinion, just totally personal opinion. And Mm -hmm. what is maybe something that we're trying to mine out of Star Trek to try to get into the writer's head for a moment and say, what are they really trying to say to an audience? And I have this fear that when you get on the air and you have a big audience and you say things that some people in that audience may not agree with, Mm -hmm. rather than hearing it as simply a difference of opinion, what they're hearing is a kind of advocacy for a position or um, or, or that you're, you're coming from a place where you are trying to force something as the only way and the right way down their throats. Right. We can't step outside of our biases. We can't step outside of our opinions. We try to hear it all and we try to sort of filter that into a way that we think makes sense to have a discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never want to come across in a show, uh, where somebody thinks, well, all they're doing is pushing an agenda. Yeah. Because at that point, the conversation's over.
2: Right. And we've been accused of doing that before. I mean, yeah. the yeah. thing, the thing, what I think about is, uh, one of my favorite phrases is when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. yeah. When you're you, everything looks like what everything looks like to you, and that and that's true for me, and that's true for John, and that's true for everybody. And I think that's also true. So if something occurs to me and it says it kind of looks like this to me, or maybe I'll even say that's all I could think about when I say it. If that ends up being uh, counter what somebody else sees, then suddenly they see it, but we may end up being seen as on opposite sides, and that's kind of a drag. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, uh, you know, uh, something is going to come up for me. The addiction thing comes up for me more often than not because of uh, things, uh, people in my past and people that I've known. Um, and I wonder sometimes if I'm making it up, but I mean, it is what it makes me think about. And that's kind of a neat thing about Star Trek stories as well. I mean, and it's not always addiction stuff. I mean, there's tons of other stuff that it seems to be recurring themes for, for both of us, I would say, even if it's not right there on the screen. Um, but one of the really cool things about about star trek is the the fact that you can see it through those lenses i mean ultimately it still seems to me that what star trek is about at least the first 25 years and the next 25 years we'll have to talk about it at some point but at least the first 25 years are about being the best you can possibly be and and you know whether you're seeing that there are any number of lenses that you can see through that or filters that you can see that through and still and still say that that ultimately what the show is about is about you know transcending is about getting better it's about doing better and being better. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I kind of went off on a rant there.
1: No, but that's – you know what? It's our show and that's our prerogative. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes,
1: indeed. <laughs> but yes, but indeed. the point of, of uh, doing any ranting that we do is we've always said that we, we hope that it's received in the spirit that it's intended. Um, yeah. That the, we're not here to preach to you or at you. Um, We do welcome the conversation. We welcome the discussion. Um, Ken, you're very good at saying that uh, we hope that
2: we can disagree without being disagreeable. I am very good at saying that. I'm actually learning to say it in other languages too. Oh, yeah, you should. You should. Yeah, Um, I should. So
1: I, I think nothing sort of shuts us down faster than something that is disagreeable coming from Mm -hmm. you know from whatever we want to hear the ideas we want to keep the conversation going and um scott i i hope at least we did you somewhat proud in our conversation of um the drum head we we got some interesting replies from it and um i i appreciated all of them i'll
2: i'll I'll give you really quickly Mm -hmm. I, i think this is funny i don't know if it is or not but i'll give you an idea of how important i think my opinion on this whole thing is yeah I told a neighbor of mine a few years ago, right before we were going to launch the show, that that I'd been contacted by Rod and Barry Entertainment by Rod, and, and he was putting us together to do this. Told her the whole thing. We're going to watch it. We're going to take it apart for you know, the, the philosophy of it and see whether it holds up. And she looked at me and said, "Why you?" <laughs> <laughs> I ask and that's about, about every week. That's about how good that. That's about how important my opinion is on the whole thing. Like the, <laughs> the very first stranger I told about it was like, "Huh, you really?" <laughs> And I had to be like, yeah, I know, right? Okay.
1: You know, I I said early on in this show that uh, there's plenty of room for other Star Trek podcasts. There's probably plenty of room for another Star Trek podcast if anybody out there wants to start their own. (laughs) Yeah. If we're not doing it for you. Uh, But we hope that you'll stick around and listen to us because, um, hey, there's what, uh, 10
2: more years of this to go? Well, who knows? Because, you know, I heard that there's going to be a new series.
1: Oh, right. I heard about that
2: and there might be at least one more movie so it may be maybe ten and a half years
1: okay hey if you want to join the fun next time around that we're doing a Q&A show like this Mission Log Pod is the address to find us on Facebook Skype and Twitter if you want to leave us a voicemail you can call us at 323-522-5641 our email address is missionlog at roddenberry.com our show website including discovered documents and a very active comments section on each show is not it MissionLogPodcast.com. Remember, we may indeed use your comments on an upcoming episode of Mission Log.
2: Almost guaranteed to be a supplemental sometime in 2017. Mission Log is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Find out more at Roddenberry.com. All kinds of fun stuff being done by Roddenberry. Like, I hear they're going to be at a convention soon. You can find that out if you visited Roddenberry.com. For more exciting Star Trek podcasts, be sure to check out Trek FM, that is trek.fm, and for the latest in Star Trek news and discussion, be sure to visit trekmovie.com.
4: Greetings, Mission Log. This is John Arminio. I sometimes waste time on social media at Quasar Sniffer on Twitter. I just have a comment about the drumhead. Uh, this is a fantastic episode, uh, as you gentlemen so eloquently pointed out. Uh, one of the reasons I think it works so well is that uh, Admiral uh, um is much more of a tragic figure than a villain, especially, or even though we see her kind of collapse at the end and she becomes clearly in the wrong and unstable, um, she was a hero at one point. She was responsible for, or at least had a hand in uncovering the conspiracy of an infection of the Federation. So that document that's going to find her in this episode helped save a lot of lives. And so it makes it all the more heartbreaking to see what she's become, uh, someone who's not, a, not able to see the truth anymore and can't uh, go beyond her own uh, preconceptions of what's going on. Um, And so I think she's much more of an interesting character than somebody like McCarthy, who was from the beginning kind of a despicable uh, opportunist who didn't really believe anything he was saying. So, uh, once again, um, Star Trek is good. I I guess that's the conclusion we've come to. Uh, I'll go with that. Uh, Thank you for the excellent podcast, gentlemen, and I look forward to the next one. Hi, guys. It's
3: your friend from Rhode Island again. I just wanted to point out that in that uh, episode where Jordy turned into the thing on the planet and uh, has to be saved by his good friend uh, when you was talking about putting cameras and lights on people so that they wouldn't be, because they'd all be making records of this uh, contact I think he didn't quite pick up on the fact that what you were talking about with the enemies of the board. I mean, just think about it. Each iteration, you get a little bit closer to being a board. The contact of the ship is, uh, little spotty, so we have the channel open. We have, uh, um, modules to be able to help protect you, to shield you. We have, um, implants to help you maintain your health and report your status to the chef. Each step, each step along the way to becoming a board. Think about the possession for a while. I think it will be.
0: Hey! Ken and John, guy from Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Spock's brain. When you guys were in Las Vegas, did you happen to make a stop in Colorado on your way back? Because it sounds like you guys got some really good stuff when you were there. I mean, to say that just because an episode has a really cool core concept somehow makes it passable you guys just justified every bad sequel ever made I mean, under that philosophy, Highlander 2 The Quickening is suddenly a good movie. Hey, we've got Highlander, we've got everybody back from the first film, we'll make another film and just, it'll be fantastic that movie is trash and so is Fox Grey I mean, there is nothing that this episode embodies from Star Trek. It's simply a little quest to go find out where Spock's brain went and put it back in again. And to make the actors act in this ridiculous fashion, that hey, we have this uh, salad bowl that we put on our heads, suddenly makes us functional, but only lasts for 48 minutes, and we have enough time to put Scott, Spock's brain back in in that amount of time. It's just bad really bad I think I should have called it bad I'm disappointed I still love you though talk to you
5: later you rock hey John and Ken it's Jason Vavona in Louisville Kentucky Um, I know I've uh, corresponded with John on Facebook a few times and I just wanted to let you know I just listened to Redemption and Redemption 2 and uh, just absolutely great job guys I loved it every single minute of it I love listening to your show every single week I look forward to it. Uh, I always, you know, I'm ready with the download button so I can get that thing onto my phone and listen to it in the car when I'm driving from place to place. So thank you for everything that you all do week in and week out. Um, It's absolutely the best podcast out there, in my opinion. And, of course, I mean, you know, that biased Star Trek fan opinion. But anyway, Um, and I'll also put my plug in there for the Star Trek Starships Collection from Keelmos. Uh, I have been with it since... Um, you know, since issue one, probably a few weeks into the U.S. run, the only problem I have is just, you know, where to put all of the absolutely awesome ships that, that we get in the collection, and, you know, of course, they have special editions that don't come with a subscription, so I like to pick up all of those. Great job on getting them as sponsors. That's, that's the perfect marrying of you guys, Trek FM, and Star Trek, uh, the Star Trek Starships collection, so... Anyway, just wanted to put my plug in for you guys, for for Eagle Moss, for uh, for everything that you all do. Have a great time in Vegas if I don't talk to you all live in. And um, I look forward to next week's episode. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.